Thank you, worship team. Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this January day. My name is Michael Beneshek, one of your uh, Warm Heart staff here. Uh, welcome, and if you're joining us online, I just want to say hello and welcome to all of you as well. Uh, we got some people watching on the East Coast, the West Coast today. I uh, know up north, I'm not sure how far south, but uh, wherever you are, let us know that you're there. And uh, we, have a, we have a worship uh, leader online. Uh, just say hi and, and make yourself known. We appreciate you a lot. Uh, I'll share some announcements at the end because Don Brisker is going to come on up and share a little bit of words. Uh, every year, Don, well, first of all, say hi, Don. Uh, Don is our stewardship chair, and at the beginning of each year, somewhere in there, he shares shares a little bit about the budget for the upcoming year. And uh, he said it's going to be under five minutes, and uh, you timed it, and it's four minutes and... 45 seconds. 45 seconds. I'll let's, try. All right, let's, let's, let's hear about the budget. Like the pastor said, every year in January, I stand here and give a report on the year-end financials and how we, how we did for the year and then talk about the coming budget for 2024. A little bit different this year because this is the first time since I've been the stewardship chair that we have failed to receive as many funds as we needed to meet our expenses for the year. So even though we didn't meet our goal, we should take pride in the fact that in the month of December, we took in $114,000 in tithes and offerings and gifts, and we managed to cut our budget from a $75,000 deficit in December, uh, November to $21,000 at the end of the year. I stated in early November that we would need to average around $21,000 each week in November and December to make ends meet, and I guess we just needed one more week in the year, and we may, might have made it. So history is usually a good barometer to... Uh, to evaluate our finances. So I went back a year and checked it to see what I had said in the Footprints article I wrote in January of 2023. And here's what I said. I said that the budget for 2023 was realistic and it came close to breaking even, so I was right there. We made 98% of our, of our uh, goal. I mentioned tweaks that we would make to the budget process that would make it easier in years to come to uh, to prepare the budget, and we did that, and it was easier this year than before. I expressed the hope that we would in see increased attendance, and I'm happy to report that attendance was up 8% over 2022. We were also confident that uh, if attendance was increased, then that giving would likewise be up. Unfortunately, that was not the case, as giving was down and our expenses went up. Due to the deficit, we have no surplus to begin this year. And that's the first time that's happened since I've been the stewardship chairman. So we have to really be vigilant to stick within our budget. Hopefully we can increase giving and, uh, because we, this is going to be a different type of year. We, uh, I said we needed to grow our youth and, and uh, children's ministries, and we did that. We had a mission trip for the first time in, what, three or four years, and it was very successful. So that's, those are positive things that we can look forward to in 2024. Now, let's talk about the budget. The figures are up there, and also you should have received a brochure when you came in, and the figures are there. So if you look at these, you'll forget these figures before you get home. So 
take that brochure home with you, and you can look at it then. And, and if there's any questions, we'll be glad to answer any questions that, uh, uh, that you might have. So there will also be a longer article in the February Footprints article to talk about the budget. So let's talk about the budget. The budget is broken down into four major categories. First and foremost, the most important, uh, the largest, is our personnel, which is staff. That's 70% of the budget, and we have budgeted $549,000 for this year to spend on our staff. Next is property maintenance, repairs. Mr. Ball has been very familiar with the trustees and all they do to keep this church, you know, viable and keep everything in running order. $99,900 for this year, which is... Uh, what is that, 14, 13% of our budget. Shared ministries, which is sometimes hard to understand, but it's what the conference says that we need to pay as our church to give to the conference so they can do their programs. And it's, I kind of look at it as it's our tithe to the Oregon-Idaho conference. Final is the local, and that's the 10%. Local ministries, 7%, which includes worships, arts, and music, our children, youth, and adult ministries, our online services, congregational care, marketing, and administrative costs, and that's 7% of our total budget, or $58,000. So somebody asked me, uh, or asked the pastor, and he asked me, we gave no raises to our staff this year. But there's an increase of 549000 as opposed to 512000 that we spent last year, which is a pretty hefty increase. But we moved some things around. We moved some people to part-time. Now we're paying them as they work, their office salary. Insurance costs went up. And we moved some things around, as I said, to make it easier for the budget. And that's why the increase is there. But I can guarantee you one thing. Our staff doesn't spend any money unless it's needed. There is no fluff in this budget whatsoever. So we increased the, decreased the budget from $64,000 from the 2023 budget. There's still a $28,000 increase over the 2023 actuals due to small increases in our shared ministries, which, as I said, we pay to the conference. Uh, also, we're going to have to face inflation, folks. Let's face it, just like our... In our home, costs go up, inflation takes over, and it costs more to, to live these days. Same thing with the church. We're just, just, like, just like our home. Um, we also had some small increases in our marketing area as we strive to increase our presence in the community and, and in, in, improve our online outreach. We're still in an area of unknowns because we're not sure how the Meridian downtown footprint is going to look. You know, there's buildings over here that were started. They've stopped. We don't know if they're going to start again. There's going to be apartment houses there. They're tearing up the street. Parking is going to be a problem. All those things are things that we need to, to be aware of as we approach 2024. It's also an election year. And this is not going to be an easy election. It's going to be contentious, and that has an effect on everybody's lifestyle as well. So, on a positive note, I need to, I need to point out something that, uh, that we're very, I'm very thankful for. We were blessed to make major improvements in both the sanctuary and the FLC 
We have a new video and sound systems. We have new carpeting, new exterior doors, repainting, and all these things have enhanced our worship experience. And the cost of these projects were provided by several generous donors who made supplementary directed donations to cover the cost of those projects, and that did not come out of the general fund. This is a very benevolent church, and we have some very, very uh, strong believers that don't mind spending money if they have to make our church better, and we thank them for that. Let me talk about something else very briefly that this congregation does that I don't know many churches that do this. We have about 18 or 19 different areas, missions, I, I like to call them, of things we support. Let me give you an example. The Meridian Food Bank, the Good Sam Fund, Memorials, New to You Thrift Store, Youth Mission Trips, Scholarships, Camperships, Quilters, Card Makers, Joseph's Closet, The Scouts, The Veterans Foot Locker, Mirror Image, Umcor, Refugees, Adopt a Family, Thanksgiving Boxes, and The Crop Walk. All of those things we support, it does not come out of the church budget. We, we, last year, we gave over $42,000 for these programs that, you know, we're, we're noted for doing that, and it's, part, it's above and beyond our budget. <coughs> Excuse me. Got to take care of this or my wife will shoot me. She sent out 239 emails of everybody's giving statements for the year 2023. And she sent out about 30 hard copies. If you have not received your giving statement and you need one or you have a problem, and a couple of people said, I gave my IRA, I mean, my IRA required minimum distribution and I don't think it got posted. I don't think it showed up. It hasn't been cashed. If you have any problems like that, call the church office, give them your name. They'll get a hold of Diane and she will take care of it and check it all out. And if she can't do it, Maria will. So. So that's, I've covered my wife's request. So that's where we stand, folks. What did I say? $782,000 we need to raise to meet our budget this year. I'd ask that you pray about it. Uh, that's, that's a necessary figure that we need to, to maintain the church and the way we operate now. So we need to uh, be mindful of that. I would ask that you would continue to pray for our staff. They work very hard. They're, they don't spend money if they don't need it. They maintain all the programs, and our church is very, very prominent in the community, and we do many, many great things. Please pray for our staff. Pray for our finances. And I want to thank God for blessing this church, and I hope that he continues to bless the church of the warm heart. So thank you for listening to me. Hope I didn't bore you too much. Take those brochures home, look at them, and there's a little part on the back about, uh, about tithing, so you can look at that. So thank you for listening to me. Let's hope that 2024 is a better year than 2023. I've had six churches. Uh, you're, you're my sixth church that I've been the pastor of. All the other, I've, I've never had a church this transparent. Uh, other churches I've been to, like, 
who does the budget? It's like in a, in a room in the back, and then only secret people get to know the secret budget. And, uh, not here. Uh, matter of fact, uh, someone said, stop being so transparent. Stop being so... We don't need it. Don, thank you. I appreciate all your, all your words, and, uh, and keep us up to date what's going on. Uh, as, the, as the worship team comes on up for opening songs, just a word of thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's stand and sing our opening songs of worship.
Gracious God, Creator God, we come to you today with open hands and open hearts. We come to you in gratitude for the abundance and beauty of your creation. We come in gratitude for our church, our homes, and our community. In all things, we give thanks. Fill us with life, with love, and with wonder for the beauty of your hand. May we be present and abide in you, and may all that we do be rooted in your love, so that we will not conform to the patterns of our world, but be transformed by your Spirit. Teach us to live into your unforced rhythms of grace, so that we may rest in you. May we lean in, listen, and respond to your call to be a people of joy, a people of peace, patience, and kindness. And Lord, today we come together to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's take a moment to greet those around us in Christian love. popcorn. The choir anthem at the first service, it sounded like something out of the circus, didn't it? Oh. It didn't, it, it sounded like big topish, big in a good way, in a good way. It was awesome. I said, when's an appropriate time to eat? Is, is now a good time for me to be snacking on this? No. Did I bring enough for everyone? Yes, yes I did. So I better put it away because I want to keep it. Yeah. Thank you, Winco, for this, by the way. 
And since I'm saying it on YouTube, send me more popcorn. Thank you. <laughs> when's, a, when's another time I ask the kids? That's probably not okay to eat. What do you think some of their answers were? Don't eat before dinner. Yeah. Hey, we're eating in 10 minutes. Okay. And they go to the fridge and look for something. Yeah. Oh, that's... In the car? Anyone have no food in the car rule? Anyone buy a new car and that rule lasts for a month and then you're like, all right. Yeah. One kid said, don't eat in the shower. That's a good rule. Good rule. Don't, don't eat in the bathroom. Don't eat in bed. Oh, man. Uh, we couldn't do that because of ants where we lived. Uh, I remember one time when I was, and I pointed to this kid, said, when I was your age, I took a peanut butter sandwich to bed. And I forgot about it. And I woke up in the morning and I had peanut butter. <laughs> Back when I had hair. And my mom had to cut it out. Because like, it was just that bad. Yeah. So I said, when's a good time to eat? And they said, breakfast, lunch, snack. Uh, do we call it dinner or supper here in Oregon? Or in Idaho? <laughs> what, which one is it? Goes both? Dinner? I could say both. All right. Uh, where I came from, dinner was either lunch, a special lunch, or your evening meal. And supper was just a... Not a special time. <laughs> Good food, but, you know, it's just, here's your hamburger. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out how to talk to, about fasting to the little kids. Because I don't want them to fast. You're like, hey, don't eat for a day. That, that might not, you know, their doctor might be mad at me for that. They're, they're, they're growing bodies. But the whole point for, for them was just be intentional about the food that you put in your mouth. Be intentional about the times that you eat. If you have breakfast, and then second breakfast, and then 11 Z's, and then lunch. <laughs> you know, if, if all you do, you know, we, you don't want to, we, we eat to live, we don't live to eat. Methodists, we're good at moderation. Uh, so just be careful. And that was, that was my children's message. And then, then we did a prayer, and they walked out before they asked for, for popcorn. So I'm going to go hide this right now. I'm just going to look at that the whole service. All right. As we come to a time of offertory, I know Don just kind of gave a big old spiel about, about where our budget is and what we do, so I won't do a whole bunch here, but just say thank you. Your gifts make this place happen. Your gifts, your gifts bring food to people. Your gifts help housing. Your gifts bring love to the people on this side of, of town. So thank you. Let us receive the offertory.
Good morning. Our first scripture is Leviticus 23, 26 through 28. The Lord said to Moses, the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. And the second one is Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Thank you, Lisa. So I got my annual physical coming up. Yippee skippy. It's a part of the annual physical. There will be a few routine blood tests. um, Pokings and proddings and proddings and pokings and more yippee skippy. But one of the rules that the doc said is before you come in, you got you to gotta do what for 12 hours? You got to fast. No eating. No drinking. Water's okay. Does this doctor even know me? How in the world can I possibly go 12 hours without eating or, or snacking or, or, or soda pop or... or It's going to be a long 12 hours. And yes, I scheduled the appointment at 9 o'clock in the morning. So I'll sleep through most of it. But 9 o'clock that night, I'll be like, oh. And I'll walk to the fridge and I'll open it up. Close it again. I remember you. Oh, My friends, my people. Yeah. The humanity, the trials and tribulations. Honestly, I'll be fine. But isn't it funny? The minute you can't have something is precisely when you want to have it. Isn't that the case? When you were told you couldn't have a toy as a kid, the tantrum was inevitable. You even wanted it more than before. When you were a teenager, some of you used to be teens, I think, uh, and and your parents said you couldn't stay out late at night. Uh, Pastor Jen, what was your curfew? I needed parents like you. Midnight, who else? Give me a time. Time? 11. You got 11. Gosh. <laughs> got to get my parents to talk, talk to you guys. Yeah. But I remember coming home at 10 and like, all my friends are having so much fun. 
uh, without me. My dad said, yeah, that's why they're having fun. Because uh, they're like, oh, right? Yeah. What is this? What is this fixation to the forbidden fruit? Why does it control so much of our, of our lives? There, there are pros to this phenomenon. Uh, someone outright telling you that you're incapable of something makes you want to do it more. I, I remember this, this young gal, she, oh, she, was, she, she, wanted to be, she, wa- she wanted to be an accountant, but her, her, her math skills were not there. Math was not her thing. Uh, I would say she was dumb as rocks, but rocks would be offended. It was not there, right? <laughs> Lovely person, just... <laughs> and her parents said, you can't, I'm not going to pay for school. You can't do this. And she, she went to community college. She made it. And 25, she was a full-blown accountant. She was doing it, and she told my parents, I did it. And, 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 and you know, the pride just swelled. But, you know, there's also a downside to the instinct. Sometimes we go too far for what we're told we can't have and we overstep, you know, the, the, a moral code or we hurt other people in the process. There's a, uh, there's a clinical uh, journal out there called the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. It's a journal. I, that's what it is. And uh, in, the, in this study, women were presented with a picture of a dude. There we go. I think that's from The Bachelor. I don't have the actual dude, so I had to borrow one for a while. So, so they gave this picture to, to, to like a whole bunch of ladies. Half of them, they told he was single. And would you want to date a guy like that? And the other half, they said, he's taken. Would you pursue someone like that even if they're taken? And uh, the, the, the result of the study was this. Uh, 59% of the folk who were told he was single, said, yeah, yeah, I'd call him. I'd swipe on that one. And for the folk who said they were, you know, he was married, said, 90% said yes. Uh, we'd pursue this. You want to pursue something that, that has a known track record, right? Uh, and maybe, guys, you, you could tell me if this is true or not for you, but if you're single, you're just single, single, single. There's not even, there's, you can't even get a date. And the moment you have... A date, you have three others lined up, uh, three other people, because you're taken. <laughs> and technically, you're off the market, but people want what they can't have. Our urge to go after the unattainable, it's something in our DNA. Well, today's sermon's about fasting. We're doing a sermon series on some of the ancient spiritual practices that we've had over the last 2,000 years. This is about a 12-week series. Pastor Jen's doing a study on Monday mornings, uh, incorporating this. Uh, Last Monday, they talked about fasting, and this is the sermon on fasting. Why do we do such a thing? Who came up with this idea? Who in their right mind would begin such a tradition? We live in a land where the golden arches are our temple. (laughs) We sometimes fight to the death over which pizza place is the best one in town. Best pizza place. Papa Murphy's. Idaho Pizza Company. Which one? Chicago Connection. Place, yeah. Idaho Pizza. You're all wrong. It's Louie's. I don't know what to tell you. We, we all have our favorites, right? Yeah, there, there's not a wrong answer. Pizza's pizza. It's good. Yeah. 
Fasting is not in our common experience. We hear of other religions that fast all the time. Uh, The Jewish folk, they have certain holidays, about six or seven throughout the year, where fasting is a part of their of their celebration. Uh, Day of Atonement was one. That was our scripture from Leviticus uh, this morning. Present a food offering. Deny yourself. Present a food offering. Uh, The Muslims have Ramadan coming up, where there's fasting from sunrise to sunset for about a month. The Muslim calendar, it's a lunar-based calendar, and so their their months move based on the moon. So... uh, Ramadan could be in the summertime. It could be in the wintertime. They like it when it's in the wintertime because your fasting is only nine hours instead of 16 hours in the summertime. Sunrise to sundown. Uh, It's in March this year. It's coming up. Jesus spoke about fasting as if it was already a common custom for the people around him. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about fasting as an ongoing practice. When you fast, he said, Don't contort your face. Don't whine about not eating. Don't tell everyone how special you are. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. He did the same thing with giving and praying. His words were not constituting a command, however. He was just giving instruction on the proper proper exercise of a common practice of the day. He didn't say, if you fast. He didn't say, you must fast. He just said, when? When you fast. Just very simply. The great preacher John Wesley made an observation about fasting that reminds us how customary this this was even even among us uh, Christians and Anglos in a former area. This is what he wrote. While we were at Oxford, the rule of every Methodist was, unless in the case of sickness, to fast every Wednesday and Friday in the year in imitation of the primitive church for which they had the highest reverence. So when Methodism came about, that was one of the deals. That's one of the things that made us methodical, uh, was we fasted Wednesdays and and Fridays. Uh, The Catholic Church today fasts during Lent, don't they? Used to be fasting totally on Fridays, and now it's, what what are they, it's it's no meat on Fridays, and it's kind of turned into, uh, if if you remember to fast on Fridays, uh, it kind of drops off a little. And it dropped off in Wesley's time. Uh, Later on in life, this is what he said. And I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called Methodist in name only, both in England and Ireland, who following the same bad example, have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week, as all the stricter Pharisees did, that they did not fast twice in the month. Yea, are there not some of you who do not fast one day? From the beginning of the year to the end. Ouch. Now, if that, that, if that upsets you a little bit, I'll give you the address to John Wesley. He, you, all complaints can go to him. But somehow we've dropped the ball on this ancient practice. John Wesley would not even consider someone a pastor if they did not fast. I'd be up a creek unless I had a doctor's appointment or blood work every week. Wesley wanted to to practice fasting as it was shown in the Bible and in the majority of centuries of Christian history. Normal fast was abstaining from food for one day. And of course, the whole purpose was this. Just a reminder 
Just a reminder of how much we rely on God. Just a reminder of how every blessing, come thou fount of every blessing, comes from God. That no matter how hard we work, no matter how, how, how much we, 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 we do, it is still a gift from God that food can grow from the ground. And that animals walk upon the earth to hunt and uh, everything. It's our substance. And I don't know about you, but when, when my wife and I, we, we do fasting every now and then, uh, usually tied to Lent, uh, it's hard. And every time I, I want to eat, I'm reminded. I'm reminded of the one who called us. I'm reminded of the one who sustains us. Uh, we, did a, we, had, we did several kinds of uh, fasting. We did fasting where you just don't eat for a day. We've done that one for Lent. One Lent, we did something called the Daniel Fast, where we only ate things that grew from the ground. Uh, we could eat vegetables, fruits. We could not eat meat. We could not take bread. We took, no, we took bread. Uh, you can't take... Uh, uh, no coffee, no soda pop, just water, no tea. It was a long Lent. We celebrated at, at the Outback on Easter <laughs> that day. Uh, we did one Lent where we just did salad and bread. Salad and bread. Olive Garden loved us. We were there all the time. Yeah. He provides. He's our strength. Who else fasted? Let's check out the Bible. Moses, to David, to Elijah, to Esther, to Daniel, to Anna, even Jesus. Lisa read for us today, out in the desert, 40 40 days. And the tempter came. Turn these rocks into bread. He, He tempts us with food. That's one of the things that the evil one does. He tempts us with food and things that we should not ingest. In our church's history, great leaders, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, how many Johns? John John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, Charles Spurgeon. Leaders from so many different faiths, so many different backgrounds all across the centuries. This was a practice. So how do you fast? That's between, this, is, this is my cop-out answer. That's between you and your doctor. I don't want someone to fast and then have an issue and then call us and say... This was your fault uh, between you and doctor. But it's amazing that as life-giving as food, we don't consider the intentionality of what we stuff our faith face with or not stuff our face with. If you want to try it a new way to, to uh, interact with your environment, with your body, with your God, try a fast someday. Like we said in our meditation sermon two weeks ago, we empty ourselves of the bad and we fill ourselves with the good. We don't, when we don't fill ourselves with food, we can fill ourselves with the spirit, with intentionality. It's going to be tough. My daughter, who uh, is now a freshman at the high school, uh, we came from a part of the country where there, where there were not any, any LDS folk. Can you believe that? Uh, we, we came from a city that uh, a city of three hundred thousand people that had one LDS church and it was small. And so we move here and vroom, Mormons everywhere. And so my my daughter's sitting at a table and uh, what do you folks believe? And they're having that conversation. What does your church believe? And so she's learning about what they do and they asked her, "What does your church believe?" And she goes, "I'm not exactly sure, but there's food involved everywhere." <laughs> her answer 
There's coffee hour. There's food. Uh, we have a committee meeting. There's food. Uh, there's a youth thing. There's food. There, we just love food. <laughs> right? Yeah. In closing, just a word on the opposite of fasting. If fasting is not to eat for a period of time, then what is it when we stuff our face continually? Here's a hint. It's one of the deadly sins. We call it gluttony. gluttony. Latin word for devour. Total consumption. Wouldn't the opposite of a deadly sin be an okay practice? The devil tempted Jesus with food. The devil tempted Adam and Eve with, with an apple, with a fruit. Food is a nice little tool of the, of the evil one. The whole point is this. When you fast, you remember the purpose why. Our reliance on God. You are in charge of what goes inside your mouth. Here's a horrible line to end a sermon on. You are in charge of your pie hole. (laughs) Be intentional with what you eat. How you eat. When you eat. And remember to fast every now and then. And just to close the service with uh, just a couple of announcements. Today we have a new membership class. If you've been coming to our church for a little while and might like to consider this your home, we have a new membership class in about a half hour in the Family Life Center. There's pizza there. (laughs) Saturday is the groundhog feed. You're welcome to that. A week from that is the the pancake breakfast. You're welcome to that. After the blood drive, blood drive, and uh, and, uh, Monday from now, two Mondays from now, there's plenty of snacks. I don't know how to end a sermon on fasting, is what I'm trying to get at. We have lunch punch next week. When you fast, Jesus' words, and the family of God said, amen. We fast, and then we also eat to stay alive and breathing. And that's our closing song, Alive and Breathing. Let's stand and sing. Hey, anytime you sing, praise the Lord. I want you to raise your arm. If you're not going to sing, when you hear it, raise your arm. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? Still good.